this section we're going to be covering ordering seeds and beginning transplants and then we're going to look at uh, some tillage tools also. One of the handy uh, resources is your Johnny's seed catalog. We gave each of you a copy and if you just open it up to any page you'll see a, a block that's green that has culture, growing information. And this Johnny's Seed Catalog is like a gardener's encyclopedia. It has a lot of very useful information. It tells you um, the kind of temperatures that you need to germinate the seed at. It tells you uh, uh, the spacing. It tells you what kind of uh, pest problems you might have, what kind of disease problems you might need to anticipate. Um, it tells you the, the approximate days to maturity and um, it just has a lot of really helpful information in it. So you can use this as a real uh, handy resource and on page 103 there's a chart uh, to guide you in direct seeded vegetable crops. So we'll begin with the direct seeded ones um, or you know if you're direct seeding them uh, this gives you the average number of seeds that you're going to need per hundred feet of row and if this happens to be way beyond the size of your garden, you can just cut it accordingly. Um, and then it also gives you the approximate yield that you might anticipate from 100 feet of row. So this is very helpful to evaluate what you need for your family and uh, what you might be able to expect from a given uh, space of ground. Now I wanted to just cover a few things on uh, when you are you've made out your garden plan you have that charted on uh, paper, a graph paper or other paper and <clears throat> So you know how many feet of row, or you figured out how many feet of, of row of carrots bed you're going to have. Um, and then you can determine how much seed you're going to need for that uh, 
for that area. And I like to just write that right into my garden plan, um, the, the ounces or the packet that I'm going to need in order to plant that amount of area. And it's always good to have a little bit more than, uh, than what you're going to need. And the seeds can be kept in a cool, dry place or even in the freezer and they will keep well. And most varieties, most uh, types uh, can be kept for several years without their significantly uh, dropping in the germination rate. So this is very, very nice. You also want to do this well in advance so that you are sure to have the seeds on hand uh, plenty in advance so that when it's time you'll be sure to have them and you won't have to be uh, trying to get them together. And this will be especially important for the, the things that you're going the plants that you're going to start yourself in, indoors because some of them you'll need to be starting eight weeks before your last frost. Another thing that you want to keep in mind when you're uh, looking at the varieties that you order is disease resistance especially in plants like tomatoes. And uh, if you'll turn to your, um, it's alphabetically or, uh, organized. If you'll turn to the section on tomatoes, you'll see an example of how they give you feedback on all the different varieties that they have on that page as far as their, the quality of the fruit, the size of the fruit, the days to maturity, and the disease resistance. And so it has um, the, it has abbreviations for some of the most common uh, tomato diseases like F for fusarium wilt and so forth so you can evaluate whether and plan to get varieties especially if you're in, in an area where it's hot and humid where the funga, fungal diseases are easily um, proliferated. Um, that is, yeah, it's on page 121. Tomato resistance codes. So that, that will help you to know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, personally, I really like big beef. And as you can see on page 120, um, it has really good resistance. A lot of times the cherry tomatoes are uh, 
a little more resistant to diseases also. Um, another thing that, <clears throat> that I like to do is there are some old standard varieties that have been used uh, for a long time and then they're always developing some new ones. It's nice to, um, to have some of both. To the old standard varieties also are most of the time um, more economical. Um, and uh, also when you are looking at seeds, there are the, um, the heirloom seeds, the ones that are non-hybrid. Of course, we want to stay away from GMO, but you're not going to have those in, uh, in the Johnny's catalog um, or in the other uh, good basic catalogs. Um, but there are, in this catalog, there are ones that are um, hybrid and then there's ones that are non-hybrid and it will indicate that. And so by having ones that are non-hybrid, you can save your own seed. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that, um, ways that you can, uh, you can save your own seed. Okay, the question is, can you save seed from hybrid plants? They will not be uh, the same as what uh, as the one before, but um, it, you'll still uh, get something. It just won't be exactly the same as what was there before. Um, and we have uh, planted again and again <clears throat> some things like uh, hybrid sweet corn and uh, and it stabilized out very well and have been able to continue to use the seed. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not uh, totally un, unworkable. Okay. Um, another thing that you want to keep in mind when you're ordering your seed is not just uh, one planting of it, but successive plantings. So I mentioned before about successive plantings. Um, so the things that you would especially consider that for would be like uh, peas. You can plant them in the spring and then you can plant them in the fall. They don't do well in the hot season, especially if you're in the south. Um, and so um, you, you can have your, um, when you're ordering, you'll want to plan quantities for uh, successive plantings. And you would consider that also with things like lettuce, beets, carrots, uh, spinach, um, would be, and green beans especially in some parts of the country uh, because of disease, they get wiped out uh, before the whole season is finished. 
Uh, where we are, they just keep producing and it's very dry climate, so they do real well. But in Alabama, they were wiped out after about one, one and a half pickings and that was it. Um, summer squash, if you want it to go, if you live where it's a long season, uh, a lot of times if it's very humid, it will also uh, get wiped out with powdery mildew. And it's just easier to do several plantings um, than, and then you can deal with that. Okay, um, so order well ahead of time, um, order plenty uh, to uh, take into account the successive plantings and consider disease resistance. And then when you actually are planting, um, if, especially if you're in an area that the soil is sandy and you have a climate where it's hot and windy, it's important to, um, to cover it after you've planted, especially the fine seeds like carrots, um, spinach, things that you don't plant very deep, but if you're in a sandy, dry area, then you'll want to plant on the deeper end of what the recommendation is. So uh, rather than adjusting on the shallower side. And generally, we'll plant uh, at a depth of about three, three, to, three to four times this, the diameter of the seed will be the depth at which we plant. So for the finer seeds, we'll plant at quarter to half an inch and uh, so forth. If we're in a very uh, damp clay type soil, then we, we don't want the seed to rot uh, by planting it too deep. But if we're in a sandy type soil and it's uh, then we'll plant them a little, uh, little shallower and uh, protect it while it's germinating. Watch it carefully so that uh, as soon as the seedlings appear, you can uh, remove the cover so that it'll have plenty of light. And here are just a few shots uh, heirloom tomatoes, a uh, great thing to have in your garden. Uh, here are some beds of uh, beets and carrots with uh, apricot trees on the side. And here is looking the other way. <coughs> And 
Here's a, a bed of brassicas. Um, this is out behind our lifestyle center. And uh, it's a great place for um, those that are stressed to be able to get out in the garden. It's really nice to have some flowers in the garden to be reminded of how much God loves us. And I really like watermelon. So, um, and my favorite is, it's an old variety that's been around for a long time, but they haven't been able to uh, come up with a better one, is my opinion. And that's Crimson Sweet. Um, they hold their... Um, they don't go over the hill as fast as some of the others. And uh, like Sugar Baby, uh, they're kind of somewhat popular, but they become overripe too quickly. They don't maintain uh, their uh, peak very long, whereas the Crimson Sweet... Um, can hold over uh, much better. And I usually plant my melons in, in rows um, and shoot for one plant um, every foot. Uh, so if I'm direct seeding them, I'll plant several seeds every foot so that I will come out with, uh, with one plant every foot in that, in that long row. The other way that you can do it uh, is to put them in hills and uh, improve that uh, little patch of ground where your hill is and then have several seeds planted in a hill, um, about the hill being about the diameter of a bushel basket, and then having about um, four, four plants or five plants that ultimately uh, you, main, you keep, but you can plant twice that many to make sure you get a good, a good stand. And here you can see that uh, there are some peach trees uh, that, we've, that we started several years ago. And this is garden that we have between those while they're uh, gaining size. So that works very nicely to, uh, to be trying to get uh, fruit trees uh, started. And I really like sweet potatoes. Uh, it's a great, a great crop, and it stores nicely. And uh, we really enjoy them throughout the winter. It's a, it's a lovely storage crop. Uh, now, yes? Um, how do you grow sweet potatoes? Um, you can order. Uh, the sweet potato plants 
um, online. Uh, we get them from a place called Steels uh, out of Tennessee, I believe. Um, or you can start your own plants. You know, it's, uh, it's a great uh, thing to do. Um, it takes a little bit of preparation. You have to start them several weeks ahead of time. Uh, like uh, six or eight weeks and um, and you put them in uh, a rich bed of uh, that has some horse manure in the bottom to generate heat and then um, at the upper part we'll have some lighter soil even can be mixed with some uh, some sawdust or some uh, alfalfa hay and then um, you, uh, you lay the sweet potato plants in that uh, soil and um, then it's the sprouts that come off that develop roots that you actually plant and it's really nice to start your own because then you don't have, uh, you can transplant um, them directly from your own uh, hotbed right into the garden and you don't have the stress that comes from when they're shipped and all. So it's really a nice way to go. So that sprout right from the sweet potato that that Yes. Right. That will, uh, you take the, the sweet potato itself and you'll lay it horizontally in, in the soil um, down about four inches um, from the top of the sweet potato and then it will sprout uh, multiple sprouts uh, about uh, a dozen per uh, sweet potato and then you break those off and that's what you plant. Okay, uh, transplanting vegetable crops. So we're going to look at um, <clears throat> starting transplants um, and this is also on your page 103 of Johnny's Seed Catalog. Page 103 um, so here you can see that most seeds uh, have about an 80% germination rate, um, some a little bit less. And the, one of the important things to notice here on this chart, you have the cool weather crops like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower and they require about four weeks from when you seed them to when they're ready to be transplanted. And then you have tomatoes and they take about uh, six weeks 
from when you seed them indoors till they're ready to be transplanted. Um, and then you have peppers and they take about eight weeks, um, sometimes a little bit less, but I usually figure eight weeks for peppers. Um, for tender plants like watermelon and cantaloupe, you want to uh, not let them get more than three to four weeks old. If you let them start getting bigger, um, they have a lot of transplant shock. So anyway, this gives you an idea of how many uh, weeks ahead of time they will need to be, plants will need to be started indoors for the different uh, varieties. And then after you set them out, how many days from transplanting them out into the garden, approximately how many days until uh, till maturity when you will be starting to harvest them. And the approximate yield that you can expect. Okay. Uh, Steve's going to hand out this other handout here that uh, consolidates information that you, could, that you can get in your Johnny's catalog also just by looking at each variety, but here it's all consolidated. Um, the optimum soil temperature at which the seed germinates um, and the days that the seed will require till it emerges above the soil and uh, then the optimal temperature after it emerges for the little seedling and then the weeks that the transplant, the weeks till it should be set out into the garden. <clears throat> and the depth at which you want to plant the seed. And the earliest date for transplanting into the garden. Okay. Now, um, here's a formula for making your own um, potting soil if you choose to do that. Um, two parts of woods dirt, one part of leaf mold. This would be um, if you go into the woods and you rake the leaves away, there's uh, that moldy stuff that is somewhat white between the, the leaves that were there and the wood's dirt. And if you uh, use your leaf rake and scratch that, um, that's what the leaf mold is referring to. 
and then one part sand, two parts compost, and if the compost is not very rich compost, you might need one more part, but if it's, uh, if it's very concentrated, you might also need less. But I just put two parts so that for those that are kind of beginning, you may not know whether it's uh, concentrated or not. Um, and then one part rotted log. Um, if you go out in the woods and you'll find these old trees that are sort of like peat moss. And they're, it's, a, it's a substitute for peat moss and it, it helps like a sponge to retain the moisture in your potting soil. Um, and when we were kids, we, we really loved to go out and make up our own potting soil. And then for each gallon of your soil mix, you'll want to add a teaspoon of lime because uh, the soil in the woods is going to be uh, fairly acidic. And so um, you'll want to add um, pulverized limestone uh, to this mixture. And then um, for your seedling trays, you'll want to use a mesh of quarter inch screen um, for the soil that you transplant the little seedlings into the pots themselves. Uh, it can be like a half inch mesh, um, but for the the initial um, trays that you that you plant the seed into, um, it's nice if it's a little bit finer soil. So the depth at which you'll want to plant the seed is about three times the di diameter of the seed. Cover it with fine soil and then uh, firm it slightly so that the seeds uh, are contacted by the soil. <clears throat> and yes? Uh, what does the leaf mold do? Um, the leaf mold is just another way of uh, having a substance that is spongy and will help to retain moisture but it also uh, has quite a bit of the um, leaves that have broken down, so it's sort of like, uh, has quite a bit of humus there too. And then you want to water the seeds thoroughly, but you don't want to float them out of the soil. And then, we can just go back to mine if, just go back to mine. And then, uh, if you cover it with a plastic, that will prevent them drying out too quickly.
And um, and then you'll want to remove that plastic when the seedlings emerge. And as far as watering, you want to water them in midday rather than in the evening. If we water them in the evening, it will tend to um, promote fungus and, uh, and that uh, develops right above the surface of the soil and you'll have your little tomato plants conking over from what we call damping off. So the other thing that helps prevent damping off is good air, air flow. So if you're having a problem with that, um, just by having a fan blowing uh, where it's moving the air will, uh, will help. So here you can see the, um, the flats where um, the seeds have been germinated in. And uh, you don't want to have the seed in there too thick, uh, so that, but say like a quarter of an inch apart so that you can separate them as you're transplanting them. Um, you know, that's one approach. The other way is to use the little plug trays and just put one seed per plug hole. And here um, is transplanting the seedling into uh, a larger cell. You want to make sure that you don't um, wait too long to do this. So you don't want them to get, um, you don't want them to um, get leggy and spindly. Uh, if you leave them too long in the uh, cell tray, then they'll tend to get, to get spindly. The other, the other thing that can make them spindly is if, if they don't have sufficient light. So you want to make sure that they're in a place where they're going to have plenty of light. And the temperatures for germination are on your sheet generally 70 to 75 degrees during, before they emerge and then after you can cool them down a little bit um, to uh, 65 to 70. And when you transplant them, uh, you want to do that when the first true leaves appear. And be careful and be gentle with the roots. You can handle them by the leaf rather than the root. Um, and transplanting them in the evening is best. And when you put them into the cell, the, um, the, into the pot from the cell tray, you can plant them just a little bit deeper 
than they were previously. And that will also help to keep them more stocky and not so leggy. And after you transplant them, then you want to um, ha have them shaded and you want to water them well. The last stage then, uh, this is just a, an, a cedar uh, that, uh, that Steve made out of a little, uh, little motor uh, taped onto a, uh, an old vitamin bottle and, uh, and it causes the vibration. It's a, a cheap uh, substitute for, but it works very well. So here you can see some of the, uh, the transplants. And this is the kind of root uh, development that we like to see. And then um, we want to harden them off a little bit before we transplant them out. So this is uh, gradually exposing them to more stress by um, a cooler temperature and even by slightly less water by exposing them to some wind we can put them out into a a cold frame where they'll also have direct sun and then cover the cold frame at night um, so this hardening off will generally do about for about two, three days before we actually transplant them into the garden. And if, if we start them by seeding them direct into the pots, then we'll want to uh, plant like two seeds to the pot and then go in and thin them out. Um, you can also use a grow light if you don't have a greenhouse. Actually, you can use a regular fluorescent light. Um, and uh, you can also use a, a heating blanket uh, for the heat. You'll have to do a little bit of experimenting to make sure you, you're getting the right temperature. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.